Our scripture lesson today is a portion of what was printed uh, or listed in the bulletin. Uh, this is a portion of the story of the raising of Lazarus, which appears in John 11. I'm going to be reading just verses 30 to 35. At this point in the story, Jesus has learned of the death of his friend Lazarus, and after a two days um, of delay, has come um, near the village of Bethany uh, where, uh, where he um, has lived. And that, this is where we pick up the story. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, as we gather on this beautiful day, may the words of this sermon, may the thoughts and feelings and questions and wonderments these words create in our hearts glorify you and edify your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. An American folk hymn sung beautifully and hauntingly during Lent is entitled, Jesus Walked This Lonely Valley. It begins with a picture of Jesus facing his impending death, alone, silent, almost stoic. Jesus walked this lonely valley. He had to walk it by himself. Nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. The hymn then jumps to a moral application for us collectively as the people of God. We must walk this lonesome valley. We must, we have to walk it by ourselves. Oh, nobody can walk it for us. We have to walk it by ourselves. And then the hymn focuses in on us as individuals. You must go and stand your trial. You have to stand it by yourself. Nobody else can stand it for you. You have to stand it by yourself. This message is so haunting that it actually made it into the last Presbyterian hymn book, but it didn't make it into the current Presbyterian hymn book. And it's haunting that whenever we use it in worship, 
We try to balance it with an equally true message that when we walk our lonesome valley, we are not alone. For Christ walks at least ahead of us, if not with us. But as this hymn points out and expresses, Christ does so as one who has walked the lonesome valley himself. Strong, silent, stoic. While the spiritual makes us want to reach out and support him as he walks, he is so focused on the path ahead for him that almost no human being can approach him. Jesus walked this lonesome valley. He walked it by himself, strong, silent, stoic. Now, the raising of Lazarus from the dead is one of the longest stories in Scripture. It is 44 verses of chapter 11 in the Gospel of John. One of the first sermons I ever preached was from this text. It was in the summer of 1977 at the Union Church of Bay Ridge in Brooklyn near the Veranzano Bridge. I was working for two years there as a youth pastor while I was in seminary. Now, the church was located in the section of Brooklyn about which and in which John Travolta's film Saturday Night Fever was filmed. It was released the year I preached this sermon. There were kids in my youth group who were walk-ons in that film. When I preached the raising of Lazarus. It was a hot summer Sunday morning in August. The minister had headed to cooler climbs upstate for the month, leaving me in charge. The sanctuary was beautiful, 19th century Gothic. It had actual Tiffany windows, but it had never been air conditioned. (laughs) Now, I can say that among the handful of people gathered for worship that morning, Nobody was dancing. And it wasn't just because of the heat. My sermon on the raising of Lazarus was the biggest bomb I have ever preached (laughs) in my life. It went on and on and on, just like the text. The poor people seated in their pews, I'm sure, were saying to themselves, if he doesn't go ahead and get Lazarus up from the grave pretty soon, I am leaving this service early and going to the beach. (laughs) I don't think I've ever preached the text since. When we read all 44 verses of this story, though, We cannot help but see a certain imperviousness to Jesus. Strong, silent, stoic. We didn't read this part of the story, so follow along with me here. Lazarus of Bethany is ill. He is the brother of Martha and Mary. Lazarus and Martha and Mary and Jesus know one another well. So much so that when Lazarus falls ill at home, about two miles from where Jesus is in Jerusalem, the two sisters immediately send him a message, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They don't even have to say his name. 
he whom you love is ill. Yeah, when Jesus receives this message, he's surrounded by his disciples. He's doing some other things. It's as if he takes the paper, folds it over, puts it in his pocket to deal with later, and then returns to whatever he is doing. This illness is not to death, he says to those around him. Rather, it's for God's glory. Jesus waits two more days to deal with the news that he whom he loves is ill. Plus, it then takes two more days to get to Jerusalem. I mean, to Bethany. So when Jesus and his disciples arrive at the home of these three people with whom Jesus is close, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they find that Lazarus has indeed died. And his body has been in the tomb for four days. Both Mary and Martha say to Jesus separately, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We can't help but identify with them. Now at this point, Jesus seems to reverse his impervious course. And he orders the stone that's been rolled in front of Lazarus' tomb to be removed. The tomb is opened and then Jesus sticks his head in and commands, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. His body is wrapped in grave clothes. Somebody asked this week if we needed a children's sermon to look like a mummy. Mummy, eh. His body's wrapped in grave clothes. His feet are tied. His face is covered with a cloth. He is accompanied by the odor of death. The King James Version translates, He stinketh. Jesus then commands, loose him and let him go. And presumably Lazarus is freed at least for a season from the bondage of death. Now it would be possible for us to chalk Jesus' delay and seeming imperviousness up to a simple misjudgment. But even though he knew God was going to use Lazarus raising for God's own purpose, Jesus still seems stubborn and unapproachable in his response. This doing it his way on his timetable is not, however, a one-time occurrence for Jesus in John's gospel. In the wedding feast at Cana, Jesus' mother came to him and said the party was about to run out of wine. He blew her off. My hour has not yet come. Yet a few minutes later, he reverses course and turns water into wine at the wedding so that it can continue. A few chapters later, his brothers practically demand that Jesus go to Jerusalem and perform miracles there that he's been performing out in the countryside. They want people to know who he is. They themselves are not entirely convinced And they want to see what kind of public reaction he gets. But Jesus says to them, you go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to this festival. My time has not yet fully come. Even more dramatic is the solitary strength and focus with which Jesus 
faces his own fate on the cross. I lay my life down in order to take it up again. He doesn't say that anywhere but in John. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. These are claims of utter and absolute strength and self-determination on the part of Jesus. There is no shadow of turning here. They make Jesus admirable in our eyes. But he's untouchable for us mortals. And then even from the cross himself. Jesus has the presence of mind to entrust his mother to the disciple he loves, which may or may not be Lazarus, and the disciple to his mother. Woman, behold your son, he says, from the cross. Behold your mother. And then the last words Jesus speaks from the cross in John, it is finished, echo the concluding words to the creation story in Genesis. On the seventh day, God Finished the work God had done. Jesus thus from the cross links the creation of the world with his own death and resurrection. These two giant pillars of God's activity. Creation and redemption. Creation and rectification. Creation and Christ. In all of this Jesus seems untouchable. He walks this lonely valley. He walks it by himself. From this survey, it is apparent that nothing his mother, his brothers, Mary, Martha, Pilate, soldiers arresting him or carrying out his crucifixion can lead Jesus to change his focus, his direction, or his timing. Jesus knows what he is going to do, when he is going to do it, and why he is doing it. This is a major part of who Jesus is as depicted in the Gospel of John. The Father and I are one, he says. Strong, solitary, stoic. He walks this lonely valley. He walks it by himself. And we wonder if we can walk it with him. Now, if you noticed the sermon title, and if you listened to the portion of the text that I read, you know by now that I have not been completely honest in this sermon. I have not yet told the full story, or as Jacob alluded to last week, the rest of the story. That was a reference to last week's sermon. You see, there is a place in the raising of Lazarus where we who are mere mortals can relate to Christ rather than simply stand at a difference and admire his impenetrable strength. It comes in the form of two words that constitute the shortest verse in the Bible, at least in the RSV translation on which I was raised. These two words, say them with me, are Jesus wept. Come on. Jesus wept. 
one more time. Okay, you got that memorized? It's a great answer to a trivial question. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, okay. When Jesus finally arrives at Bethany, Martha comes out first. And they have an exchange about the resurrection and about Lazarus' fate after death. Then Mary comes out and kneels before him just as she will do in the next chapter when she anoints him with oil. Jesus sees Mary weeping. He sees mourners that are with her weeping. And he becomes greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He asks, where have you laid him? And they say, come and see. These are the exact same words that Jesus had used to call his first disciple, Andrew. And they are the words that Philip used in issuing that same call to Nathaniel. It is when Jesus hears these words spoken to him, come and see, come and see, come and see, that he breaks down and weeps. Jesus weeps. Two short words. The shortest verse in the Bible. His strength, his imperviousness, His absolute and solitary focus melt in the face of the death of his friend and particularly its impact on others. Even though he knows he is about to raise Lazarus from the dead, still Jesus weeps. And this good people of Westminster, this is the point of contact that we have with Jesus in this story and beyond this story. Sometimes it helps us to know that this strong son of God in whom we place our trust, to whom we seek to give our responsible obedience in situation after situation that we face, that this strong son of God, this Christ, this savior, this word who has become flesh and dwelt among us, as it turns out, as it turns out, is capable of weeping. Jesus weeps. And finally, 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 we can touch him because he touches us. There's a rendition of Jesus Walks This Lonely Valley that is combined with another spiritual that you heard partially in our prelude. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. There is a great YouTube of this from Riverside Church in New York. Just go to it. It's absolutely beautiful. I want to close by reciting the words that others sing so well. Jesus walked this lonely valley. He had to walk it by himself. Oh, nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. 
Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. But Jesus, sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I am almost to the ground. Nobody knows but Jesus. We must walk this lonesome valley. We have to walk it by ourselves. Oh, nobody can walk it for us. We have to walk it by ourselves. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows but Jesus. The shortest verse in the Bible is one of the longest in one of the longest stories in the Bible. Jesus weeps. Because he weeps, we can walk this lonesome valley. Even during those times when we must walk it by ourselves. Amen.